Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Patton McDowell, who is a nonprofit expert, author, speaker, and coach. Patton, how you doing? Tammy, great to be here. Doing fine. Thanks. Awesome. Great to have you. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I love that. Well, a little bit about myself. I grew up in eastern North Carolina. I got into the nonprofit sector pretty early. I was lucky. I got an internship through my undergraduate days at UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, thought it might be fun to be in D.C. for a summer, but it turned out to be more than just fun. It turned out to be a career defining opportunity. So I worked for Special Olympics International, and that proved to be a fantastic experience. I got to meet the founder of that organization, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, and that set me on a path for nonprofit leadership. And I worked for about 20 years in nonprofits, both at some universities as well as Special Olympics. And then I started a consulting practice. So I get to work with nonprofit leaders all over the place, you know, helping them achieve their dream, frankly, of you know, achieving their mission. Um, so what I like to do for fun, though, as my family will make fun of this, I'll go to the movies by myself. So I love going to the movies. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy going by myself. I need to get away. That probably is my number one outlet. So I'm glad you, I saw in your list, you were going to ask me about movies. So I'm already ready for that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. When did you uh, start being okay with going to the movies by yourself? <laughs> yeah, I guess it was in maybe when the kids were just old enough. I have three kids. So they are young adults. Uh, at least they think they're young adults. We'll see if they're making progress. Um, but as my wife and I, they got a little bit older. Sometimes we would tag team and one would, you know, get, get a break. I let my wife go do what she wanted to do. And then likewise, she would let me go. So that's probably when I'm like, when I just needed to get away in a quiet two hours, that's where I'd head to the movie. So maybe 15 years ago. I love it. There we go. There we go. Well, awesome. Let's hear a little bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Um, nonprofit leaders, everybody has a cause, nonprofit leaders in particular. So it, it's very rewarding for me. The work I do is helping talented individuals excel at nonprofit leadership. So I'm working with people that are at museums and hospital foundations and uh, any kind of human service organization. So it's just really rewarding for me that every day I get up, I know I'm helping a different cause, but maybe helping them do it a little bit better. And so I'm fortunate to be in a sector that you can see the impact of, of a homeless shelter and what it does, or an after-school reading program, or Habitat for Humanity. All of these organizations are doing such incredible work. And so I'm blessed to be able to help them do it maybe a little better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about how nonprofits work from a business sense? I think a lot of people know they're service oriented, but when I was getting into the nonprofit world, because um, I wanted to start a nonprofit coming out of college, actually, and I stopped and went more for cash flow. 
But <laughs> when I was going into the nonprofit world, I was reading stuff about the fact that you needed business plans and stuff. So can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, uh, yeah. And, and I'm glad you say that because a lot of people assume that nonprofit means, you know, it's just kind of the, the what you see in terms of programming. But nonprofits are just as business oriented as for profit businesses. It's just a different tax code. You know, a 501c3 is a, a distinction that means they can't profit personally. But I'd also make the point to you because I talk to a lot of talented professionals like you that maybe stop pursuing a dream for nonprofit leadership because they don't think they make any money. And I'm here to tell you it's getting better. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get rich in the nonprofit environment, but nonprofit organizations are becoming more sophisticated, better in terms of their compensation. And that can provide an opportunity for folks to have real career development. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. It was just that it was a shock to me to figure that out for sure that nonprofits are as business oriented as, um, you know, for profit. Yeah, I just I just have always thought that was an interesting thing. And honestly, when I first figured it out, I felt a little cheated by it. But then I started understanding business a bit more. And I was like, oh, no businesses just drive impact. That's how they can succeed. They like impact people and nonprofits have a more um, in its essence, like pure, like they're not really looking to make money off of it, but even Amazon provides a service that helps people, you know? So once I started thinking about like that, it freed me up a bit. Well, and they, but they need to, you know, they need to profit in a different way. As you said, they, they have to make money to achieve their mission. Yeah. And so in other words, they can't just wallow in the poverty that some people assume nonprofits uh, always live in. And the best nonprofits generate income. They have earned and contributed revenues. So it's a business. And the more it can be successful as a business, the more they can do good work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Well, awesome. Let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals. Now, tell us about your vision for the rest of your life and just your consulting practice. Yeah, I'm excited that I'm living some of the dreams. You know, when I started my practice about 14 years ago, I had several kind of dreams. One, like you, was to start a podcast. And so I'm excited to have uh, achieved that. Although I have to give a shout out to my daughter, a young professional named Lauren McDowell, who helped. We started this podcast on National Philanthropy Day in 2019. And so we produced a podcast every week, every Thursday since then. And so I'm not quite to the daily level you are, Timmy, but um, podcasting was a way, a dream that I had in terms of how do I get my voice out there? Because I felt like I had learned a lot from nonprofit leaders. And so a podcast was a means, as you know, to kind of elevate our, our platform, our world. Um, so that was a, a good dream. And, and so my nonprofit consulting practice, it's, it's been great to have a business that's allowed me to work with now over 250 nonprofit organizations, primarily in Eastern United States, uh, the Carolinas in particular. But I feel lucky that that's a dream too. You know, I worked for 20 years for other people and other organizations, and I, I wanted someday to run my own business. Yeah. And so I've been able to do that. And that's been a neat, uh, a dream come true. Um, and then, you know, one more dream that I've just able to accomplish in the last month was publish a book. And so similar to my podcast, which is called Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, I wrote a book called Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership. So stuck with the same theme song and hopefully put some words of wisdom that I've learned in a format that maybe other people can benefit from as well. I love it. 
there we go. So you've kind of kind of hit the um, dreams and goals of like, it's really keep running your podcast, continue with your consulting business and get your book out there so more people can hear your message. Yeah, I, the dream from here, and I'm glad you asked it and it forces me to think about it, is to, to spread the word even more on a global sense. You know, I'm, I'm Timmy, I, I feel like I've had good progress in the US-based nonprofit world. There's a lot more I'd like to do. But what I'm fascinated by is the, the nonprofit scene is growing rapidly across the globe. And I think the U.S. is leading in many respects in terms of the sophistication of fundraising and things that our nonprofits do. But hey, there are great causes around the world. And so my dream would be, and maybe it's through the podcast and the book and other means, but I'd like to help nonprofit leaders literally all over the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Spreading the word on a global sense, helping nonprofit leaders around the world. Just curious, what do you think um, would be the one to two critiques that you have of the nonprofit space and how it can, um, things it could change to scale impact? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there has to be better recognition of funders that it's okay for nonprofits to invest in themselves. What's sad to me is a lot of nonprofit organizations, talented people, perhaps like the path you are on, it, it saddens me that good people don't get to go down this path. And I understand it. We're not paying enough, right? You got to make a living. You every, And so there's a lot of talent that the sector needs to invest in itself. And, and donors and funders need to not expect nonprofit leaders to take a vow of charity, you know, a, a vow of poverty, I mean. And, and that I think sometimes is, is unfortunate because people wouldn't invest in their business and, and not do what it takes to be successful yet. They expect nonprofits sometimes to just do it for free yeah. and that's not going to sustain. So that's a critique I have. And I hope our sector will be able to better uh, compensate and invest in itself because one of the things Timmy we're struggling with in the sector is turnover. And sadly, it's people, again, that love the work, but they, they burn out because they're asked to do too much. They're not getting paid enough to do it. And therefore, these important missions in our communities are left kind of in limbo because we're struggling with that talent, um, you know, maintaining the talent pool. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's really um, there's kind of a stigma from the donors in towards nonprofits to kind of tell them, hey, we want you guys to drive this impact, but that's all we want you to be doing. Don't like reinvest in yourself and reinvest in your employees, giving them like, you know, $80,000 a year when you can give them 40 and still have them do the same work. Is that kind of, you couldn't say it any better. And it's right. And, and it's, it's sad because again, these same donors often, you know, again, what hurts the sector sometimes is they will be kind of social media about some nonprofit leader that's making a million dollars. And everybody, you know, is up in arms like, oh, that's crazy. And how could that charitable dollar go to pay somebody that much? And I'm not saying it, it should be overboard, but pay people more than, you know, kind of minimum wage. Yep. Because you're right. You said it well. Sometimes people think, well, because you're doing it for a charity, you shouldn't expect to get paid. But, you know, that's not going to work if you end up people have to quit and go find work elsewhere. Yeah, no, I completely agree. One of the things I've been learning on my entrepreneurial journey, there's a guy named Alex Hormozzi. He wrote the $100 million offer. He talks about the importance of incentivizing people properly. And yes. 
when you want to run a successful business, you need to incentivize properly. And I'm like, if nonprofits aren't paying well and they're not incentivizing, like why would anybody stay no matter how important the mission is? Such a good point. And you and I could talk about it in the same category, like for teachers, I would bet you'd agree with me that we don't pay the teaching profession nearly enough. So good people can't afford to stay in it. And I would say there's an equivalent to the nonprofit sector. We need good people to do these important jobs. Everybody benefits, certainly our society as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Really got to change that narrative. I don't even know like why that is the narrative around money and impact. Like you think we'd get paid more for impactful work. <laughs> it, it sure would make sense. And, and you're right. And you know what? Sadly, because nonprofits are doing work that ultimately then governmental agencies are going to have to come in or others are going to come in and have to rescue, so to speak. So the investment in these organizations up front will pay off if you're literally going to look at it from a business kind of an ROI perspective. But sadly, everybody doesn't see that yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you heard anything about impact investing? I have. And I like the philosophy. But yeah, you tell me, what have you seen? Or has that been a conversation you've had with other guests? No, I, I don't know. It's something I'm learning about. I have a, my girlfriend's friend is working for a company that is educating people about impact investing. So I have learned a bit about it. And I think it's a, um, it's a cool concept, but I also see some inherent flaws in it as well of like, from what I've gathered, some people will do some impact investing to like, maybe offer a lower return to investors because it's impactful work. And there's that, yep. you know, that same concept of like, because it's impact, because it's for a good cause, don't make as much money, which I feel like that, that narrative is still there. But it's, it's tricky. Right. You're exactly right. And I think, I mean, I like the fact that people are, you know, it's okay, I think, for a, a, an investor to expect some return on a good cause. But if the investor is getting too much into the actual program design and they're not qualified to do so, I worry that are they, are you using your money to influence an organization uh, that you may or not be qualified. And of course, in, in some cases, if, if, if you want to make a charitable gift, just make a charitable gift, yep. you know, don't try to direct your money so that you have to get a return on it. But again, I'm not against the concept of trying to assure an impact because sure, as nonprofit professionals, we, we want to provide impact, uh, even yeah. if the investor doesn't require it. I feel that. I love that. And so you're kind of getting that there's room for corruption there. If the money's a lot of money's coming from one source and they want, they have expectations or something like that. You're exactly right. And we've seen, unfortunately, situations like that, because well, I'm very super wealthy, then that means I feel like I can tell you what to do. Mm. And that's, that's, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of debate in the nonprofit sector about donor-centric fundraising, which means some nonprofits are the best work we could do. And so maybe we need to stop being donor-centric as much as impact-centric, right? So I agree with the phrase in that sense that, no, we need to do what's best for the communities we serve and not just accommodate the super rich people that are giving us money. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I will say the biggest thing that I've consistently ran into um, – in my thinking about this and maybe you have thoughts about this, maybe you don't, but um, so when you're like running a business, right? Like Amazon, for example, they provide a service and for that service, they get paid. They only provide yep. service to people who can pay them. Often when you're running a nonprofit or you're doing impact investing, the people you're trying to provide a service for maybe don't have the means 
to pay you or there's not like value that can be exchanged immediately. And so that is a big like hurdle in my head of like, how can you keep the flow of stuff going if the buck stops here? Does that make yeah, sense? No, that's a great question. But I would say you could translate a different way that your impact, you're right, is not going to be a transaction of, you know, cash fee for service. But if that third grader now passes the third grade and advances into middle school or whatever, because of your effort, that's going to translate into impact, right? So it's not a cash return, but in some ways there's an economic return because if that, that kid now graduates from high school, gets a job, goes to college, you know, we have truly created impact that is a very positive, again, I hate to boil it down to economic kind of uh, equations, but so many nonprofits are doing that. They're keeping people in their homes. They're helping educate these kids. They're helping you get a job. All of these things translate. So an impact investor, I can go back to you and say, maybe I'm not giving you the money in return, but I can tell you that, you know, a hundred more people now are employed in our community as a result of your investment or, you know, 75% more high school kids graduated instead of dropping out because of our program. So that's at least in my head, the way I've kind of considered the impact is not literally financial, but you could argue on a longer term scale, there's real return on that investment in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards spreading the word on a global scale to other <laughs> nonprofit leaders, who would this person be and how would they help you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've, 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 now that I've just published, I've, I'm even more appreciative of people that have published before me. There are a couple of authors I follow that um, have created a platform that I enjoy. Um, there's a guy named Cal Newport who wrote a great book called Deep Work. Oh yeah, and so one that is clearly familiar to you. I've, I've got all the Cal stuff on the, the bookshelf behind me, but. I love so many of the principles he, he espouses, but deep work in particular. And I think many, not just nonprofit, but I think any busy professional, we get lost in the flurry of daily activity and we never slow down enough to do the qualitative work that I think we want to do in our lives. Yeah. And, and so Newport has influenced me greatly. And, and I would argue uh, helped me take the time to write a book, you know, so many people I know, they said something like 90% of, of people in the world, you know, have a book in their head. They want to write. Yep. And so, but they don't take the time to do it. And so long answer to your question. Yeah. I'd love to connect with Cal Newport, you know, and, and uh, lift up his work, but, but I think his work is something that I preach to nonprofit leaders who get caught in the flurry, but don't maybe do the important qualitative work and so that's a message I'm trying to take, you know, globally, as you and I've already discussed. Yeah, there we go. Well, name the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you accomplish your dreams and goals of getting the message out there. I've always found that carving that quiet time is beneficial to anybody. But your question, I'm glad you asked was, how could an everyday person help me? Well, obviously, two ways. One, listen to the podcast. You know, I'm trying to spread the word about nonprofit leadership around the globe. So if someone is interested and would like to help me, 
I would love for them to listen and then offer feedback. Um, you and I both know, you know, this is a platform that we want. Uh, it, it's great to get feedback, whether oh, yeah. it's a, a review literally or, you know, an online social media kind of direct message. Um, and I'm fortunate now with a book. That's another way someone could help. If if any of this nonprofit leadership resonates with them, you know, I've written a book that I hope could be helpful. And the title is that literally what I'm trying to offer. If someone's trying to find a path to nonprofit leadership, I've got seven steps that I hope might help them do just that. There we go. There we go. I love it. Have you ever heard about ClickFunnels? A little, but tell me in terms of just a direct marketing kind of tactic or what is that like? So I joined ClickFunnels because obviously I want to monetize, you know, coaching and mastermind services around the podcast. But even more than that, I just want to build an email list of what I like to call super connectors for the podcast. And I was like, well, how do I get these leads? How do I build this email list? And Russell just Brunson, Russell Brunson in it. Russell Brunson, he just goes yes. through it step by step of how to generate that traffic and retain that traffic and just a lot of marketing knowledge that I just had no idea about and really helped me out. So that's a great, that's great advice. In fact, now that you met, I've heard him on a podcast or two because I listen to a lot of podcasts. Interestingly, not just nonprofit stuff, but like you on digital marketing. Yeah. And, and, and so I use some of those principles when I launched the book was basically creating a launch team, which I think is a principle you know, he talks about that you generate your kind of close uh, fans, if you will. Yeah, your dream 100. I love that Russell Brunson has kind of uh, amplified some of these ways we can bring our message to the wider audience. And so I utilized a kind of framework, as he suggested, of developing a launch team. Um, fortunately, we had built up a decent email list as a firm with lots of nonprofit leaders and different organizations. And so I, I began to share the story of, hey, I'm working on a book. And if you'd like to help, help me spread the word. And sure enough, I had about 75 people sign up to be on the launch team. And so that was awesome and kind of got the word out and, you know, has helped also generate interest, more interest in the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe they shared the same title, so that doesn't hurt, but it was a way to, to get the word out. And like you said, the thousand fans rule or whatever, you know, that we hear people talk about that you don't have to get a million people, but get a hundred, you know, then get 500 then get a thousand. And so that's the path I'm on as well. I love it. There we go. Well, awesome. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into our thriving three. And the first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to go with the Born series. Can I give you a series or do I have to pick the Born Supremacy? Do I, if I have uh, to narrow it down, series. I will. <laughs> give me a series. I, I, I confess, I love the Born series. And, and if I'm channel surfing and I see it, I have to stop. So <laughs> that maybe is the greatest indication of a movie that you can't escape. But I, I'll put that on the top of my movie list right now. I love it. I think the Born series is a great series as well. <laughs> and what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Uh, well, I already gave the movie idea. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of getting outside, you know, uh, running when I can. But even if it's walking and hiking, you know, it's both, you know, from a fitness perspective, it's good to just get out. But I find mentally, you know, those are some of the most creative times, you know, just being in 
outside in nature and whatever um, has been something that helped take help me take care of myself in more than one way. I love it. I love it. And what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to really meet Cal Newport? That's a great point. I mean, I, I have to reach out to him in, in some of his social media. He's not the nature of his work is that he doesn't want to be in social media, right? Because yeah. he believes that social media can clutter uh, our time and energy and all that. Um, but I, I need to find a way to meet him. And maybe it would be simply inviting him to be on my podcast yeah. and talk about kind of some of his principles, because I think they very much apply to nonprofit leadership as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. We got one last question for you. It's going to require a bit of pretext. Uh oh. So you know how there are people on the planet who have a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. And sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Other times they make that switch to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that switch? Um, I love that you're quoting Carol Dweck and uh, mindset is indeed um, such a powerful tool. And and I wonder if it's just an encouragement of others to give you a new opportunity because you're right, that growth mindset, um, it starts early. And I think sadly, sometimes as parents or even in society, we create the mindset that is fixed and we label you in a certain way, right? And then you carry that label when you don't have to, it's external. Um, But I would say the catalyst for that, you know, I had a teacher in the seventh grade, you know, that was just inspirational, motivational that I still think about. And I I hope that everybody has that opportunity um, to have that push, if you will. But, but I think Timmy, it's, it's having opportunity that shows you that you can achieve more than you would, but sadly, some people don't even try. And yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that's, like you said, they're stuck in a fixed mindset. Yeah, there we go. Well, awesome. Patton, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? Uh, grateful for this opportunity. And again, I'm just, I appreciate you raising the issues of understanding the nonprofit sector. That's my mission. You know, I literally want to help talented individuals to excel at nonprofit leadership. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to talk about it because I'm hoping there are listeners out there that maybe have thought they could never go down that path. Maybe I can at least get them to think about it. There we go. There we go. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Timmy, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Patton had to say, you are a fan of nonprofits, nonprofit leadership, make sure to listen to his podcast, offer him some feedback, read the book, contact him. If you know any nonprofit leaders that need some consulting, send them Patton's way. As we always ask, Shoot this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes, and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.